You just barely made it. I know. Yeah. I know. Hi, Olivia. <laughs> so, yeah, hi, Olivia. I have a robot. This is Johnny's supersized version. Most of the Celis robots are a little shorter. This is one he printed out with his 3D printer to show off. I mean, to show us. Because it's fun. But an interesting thing, uh, you notice that it's blue? Did you know that our computers talk to the robot over Bluetooth? <laughs> I like that. Can you do that again? <laughs> yeah. Over Bluetooth. Well, I think that's pretty neat. It is. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, would, would you like to tell them about the dance contest? This year, we have the science fair coming up. You know, it's a brand new year. Science fair is going to be here soon. Our science fair is getting bigger and bigger. And some of you heard the United States Navy gives a special award at our science fair. That's right. And now the United States Army's developed a special award that'll be given the first time this year at the science fair. So a lot of people want to get on their science projects. But we also now have an alternate contest, which is called the Robot Dance Contest. And if you've taken the STEM class, then you know that you can code or program the robot to dance. And this, this little guy has about 10,000 different dance steps he can do. And by setting them with the rhythm, you can actually make it pretty creative. So the way the contest works is that you can program it. If, if you don't have a robot, you can still enter. You program it, and the, the program, it's the STEM course, actually will run on your computer and it'll be on the screen like an animation. If you actually get it working good on the screen and then if you get a robot, you can have it do it on the robot, which is kind of fun. But whether you have a robot or whether you're just gonna film your screen, you film it and send it in. And that's how we judge the robots. Now some of you remember how this contest really got fired up and going. How it really got going, right? Dr. Peget made a dance for her robot. Remember that? And um, she showed it off on Science Live. And when it came out, it had this big blonde hair. That's personalized. Personalized. Mm -hmm. And so after that, a lot of other people were inspired, and so a lot of the robots in the dance contest had quite the costumes. They really did. And they really added, really made it really fun. If you haven't seen some of the entries, you really should look at them. But it's time to get working on your dance contest entry. Mm -hmm. And everybody should do this. If, if you sign up for the little class, you can go in and, and do it. And like I say, you don't have to have a robot to win the robot contest because you can make it be the robot inside your computer and it'll be on your display screen and it's really fun. Some of the entries that really tugged at my heart were the ones where the student was dancing right with the robot. It was really fun. Yeah, I was gonna enter one of those. Why didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah why didn't I? It's not too late. It didn't turn out quite like I told you. Yeah, I decided to go into science instead. But actually, coding is pretty neat. Everybody needs to learn how to code. And when you find out that coding is just a way to tell your robot what you want him to do, then you're on your way. 
okay, to our new world. So that's special. Uh, dance contest coming up, and I think it's the same date as the science fair, right? Where can they find information on the dance contest, Dr. Joshua? So my student dashboard, I click science, fair. science is fair. I mean, science <laughs> fair, and then it brings up what? You know what? It, I wanted to do something today to challenge Tina. She's the magic behind the images, right? And I told her to be ready with whatever I needed. So why can't she bring up the dashboard so that we can actually show them where to click? She can she would have to sign in as somebody. It'll be real interesting to see what she, I, Wouldn't you like to see mm -hmm. that? I think it'd be The good. original. What we really ought to do is show a picture of Tina. That would be fun. Oh, that? <laughs> <laughs> She's back there looking down. <laughs> you know, it, it really, really would be fun, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. Yeah. So we could just take a phone and go back to the back would, would, She's like, wouldn't oh, this be something? Are you serious? So, Tobias, isn't there some way we can film going backwards? We could first of all get uh, uh, Mr. Titus over here to swing around and point back. Let's switch there to another camera. <laughs> Do -do -do -do. And look back there. Back. Okay, <laughs> Tina, wave at us. Hello. <laughs> okay, now zoom back so we can see everybody here and. Yeah, zoom back, 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 wide, wide. Ooh, I'm getting dizzy. Ooh, too fat. I wanted to see all these guys here. You, you went too fat. There we go. Now we're seeing them. So there, oh, is that Henry? I'm back there. Is that Valerie Ann? Is that? You can recognize them all. Is that you? Yes. Okay, so we now know exactly uh, what we needed to get ready for the dance contest, and it is a lot of fun. And you are judged based on the dance, and some of those dance moves are really amazing. Uh, last year we had some of the robots that did dance moves that were so crazy that it would tip the robot over, mm -hmm. and they actually had to put counterweights. Yeah, I mean, this gets really sciency. Put them on their feet, the counterweights on the feet. Yeah, they hit them down here so they could I give did us that. one. You did that on mm -hmm. yours? You invented that? No. <laughs> but it worked. Inventionary. It worked, but she didn't do it. Yeah, okay. So we're getting a lot of comments in. Uh, I'm really pleased to report that the attendance or the audience of Science Live is growing, growing, growing. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really encouraging. I want to do an experiment and see if I can figure out why that audience is growing. So here's my hypothesis. My hypothesis is the reason the audience is growing is because <laughs> So what I'm going to do is we're going to take her off. There we go. For one month. Okay. And see what okay. happens to the audience. Choose that chair right there. Or another watch. idea, take no. me off <laughs> and see if it goes up. No. But goes up, that. must anyway. No, that's science. not even a thing. That could be my science fair project this year. <laughs> Couldn't it? We just cancel yeah. science live right, right there. Oh, that wasn't social. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, so we're getting a lot of comments in too, and I want to thank those of you that are writing in. If you're signing in and you are an Acela student, 
please, 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 please sign in. See that little button right up there? Is Tina going to show us some buttons? <laughs> Tina, what did you decide? Oh, there it is. Look right there. And can you see, where does it say? There it is. See, Science Live. There it is. And right next to it, Science Fair. It's that little Erlenmeyer flask, right? Yeah, so you click on there and you get information on Science Fair. So that's all really, really good, isn't it? They think Tina's beautiful. <laughs> that's what it says, actually, right there. Matthew, I need a favor. Yeah. <laughs> now everybody's going to know who Matthew is. <laughs> Can I tell them about when I first met you? <laughs> maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. Could you please go get Tina and Breen up here? <laughs> hey, let's hear it for Tina. I'm in trouble for reading that comment. I can fill it later tonight. I, uh, I actually told her to be ready. Well. Yeah. Enter the, oh, here's the other one. Let's look at this. Enter the Acellus Robot Dance Contest. There it is. So you can find out all about it. And we find this, Joshua, where? It's on the Science Fair. On the Science Fair page. So there it is. Read about it. Start programming. Do it. Let's hear it for <laughs> Christina. Come on over here. Whoa, where's the camera? Camera. Dun, 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 dun. Hi. I don't think you have a mic. So on behalf of what, approximately five million people watching Science <laughs> Live, and you know, we got maybe a hundred here or whatever, I would just like to say thank you for the great <laughs> job you do week after week. She you does. what? So. You're resigning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we need a camera now to pan and follow her. Oh my God. Let's hear it for Okay. We do have comments. I get the feeling that we're going to be paying <laughs> for that moment for a long, long time. I do too. We have a comment. Yes. I love comments. It's about yeah, the comments. You know, we're going to have a comment yeah. coming right up. Let's hear the comments. They want to know about the comment. The comment. Mm -hmm. I just told them about the comment. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. What else do they want to know? I want to understand how, if you have a star, an object. We do in, have stars. Yes, mm -hmm. objects in space. She's the star of science no, life. Here we go. That was my safety prop right there. <laughs> so, if you have objects in space that are so far away and they've already died, how do we still see their light? There you go. So, that is a good comment. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you know, these, uh, be sure to sign in. Uh, when, when you watch Science Live, if you're an Acela student, sign in. If you have two or three of you in the same family, some families are watching on mm -hmm. their big television, you still need to sign in, each one of you, because we are keeping track of that and, and keeping a record. Um, I, I'm pleased to say that we now have enough data to be able to turn Science Live into a credit course, wow. which is going to be a lot of fun for students that want to get a credit. I like it getting is. credit, okay? Yeah. But let's, uh, 
let's understand that you have the opportunity to send in comments, mm -hmm. and we have um, a very special person. Should we bring him up here? Oh, no, yeah. We better not. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I'm in enough in trouble, trouble <laughs> for now, but we have a very special person that is in charge of watching the comments, the comments come in. And then he selects the ones that he thinks we ought to look at right now, and they come up to Peje's brand new tablet. You want to show them? No. <laughs> there it is. This is the kind of tablet you have if you're really rich. <laughs> really? That was a rich comment, wasn't that it? That was. A rich comment. Okay, anyway, okay, we want to hear so that. those comments come in, and then she filters which ones we get to actually talk about. Yes, true. And so which one, and we're talking about comets, right? Yes, comets and stars. And we're talking about stars that are lost in space. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of exciting to have a comet come through. Um, some of you know about Missouri, and we have... A lot of things in Missouri we're proud of. This is where Bill Lear came from. Mm -hmm. This is where Walt Disney yeah. started his career. This is where Mark Twain came from. Mm -hmm. And Mark Twain was born when Halley's Comet was around, and he died when Halley's Comet came around again. And it's interesting, the moon goes around the Earth, and so we see it make a complete cycle and 28 days, but um, comets sometimes take very, very, very long periods before they show up again. And the reason is they come on these really strange egg-shaped orbits, so they come in around the sun and the solar system, and then they shoot way out into space. And some of them are out so long that we haven't seen them in recorded history, and they're kind of surprises. Then there's some like Halley's that would come in the lifetime of Mark Twain. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was young, my grandparents, very special grandparents, gave me a little teeny book about stars. And I loved that book. I just, I carried that little book everywhere and I read, I memorized almost everything that it said. But it had some, some things in there that were really, really nifty. For example, it had pictures of what it looks like on the surface of several planets. And that's really interesting because back in the day, we didn't know what it looked like on planets. <laughs> and true. so they would have an artist draw a depiction of what scientists guess it looked like on Mars. And I'd look at those pictures, oh, that's so neat on Mars, and Venus, and Neptune, all these different planets, Jupiter. And now we have real photographs. Which just gives me, gives me jingles, really you know, to jingles. think we can actually, actually see them. But the book also told about comets, and it told about this really bright, bright comet called Halley's. Mm -hmm. And then it said when it was going to come again. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, gee, it's not going to come again until I'm really all grown up and old. <laughs> and I was really disappointed. I thought, man, I've got. We can wait, we can wait, I go out, we can wait, we can wait, and finally it came. And when it finally came, it was a dud. It wasn't very bright. Some of you remember that? Mm -hmm. The last visit of Halley's, it just didn't work out really well. Comets are not stars. 
they don't have a fiery reaction of fusion. They're actually usually made of ice, and the light comes from the sun. So when you, it's like the moon. The moon, contrary to popular belief, does not glow in the dark. <laughs> the moon is lit up by the sun shining on it, and it reflects back. And same with all the planets. We can see planets at night, like Jupiter is very bright at night. Venus is very bright in the early morning or late night when it comes out. But that's just the reflection of the sun coming off those planets. Well, comets are like that too. They just have the, the light of the sun reflect off them. But we have a thing called solar wind. And solar wind is uh, a name that's given to the energy coming off the sun. And when it hits these comets, when they start getting close to the sun and they start warming up, this water vapor starts vaporizing and is pushed away from the comet by the solar wind. And so that's why they look like they have long tails. That's actually water vapor or steam shooting out into space. And the water vapor is being hit by the sunlight, which it reflects so we can see it. And they can be very, very beautiful. Did you know that the tail of a comet, it's coming in and it's going out, but the tail is always pointing, not from which direction it came, but it's always pointing away from the sun because it's the sun pushing the tail out. So as it comes around, it's going this way, but the tail's sticking out the side. <laughs> it's, it's a trivia fact. That could, that could win some contests. Oh, yeah? yeah. We should have a Science Live trivia thing. That would be fun, actually. So you could come up with a question. We could have Tina come up here with a question. Yeah. And anybody that could answer could win the trivia thing. Okay? Now, the other one's a little bit harder, a star. So let me see if I got that right. Can you repeat it, or can you describe it in your own words? So we have stars in our... We do. We I've seen them. See. You're a star, right? Of mm -hmm. <laughs> science life. Mm -hmm. That's how. Oh, brother. <laughs> so we have stars that we can see, but then we're told that those stars um, have died. Some of the stars yeah. have died, and but we can still, still see, see them. The light. Why can we see them if they're dead? Yeah. Right? Maybe we're having their funeral. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, that's a good thing to think about. And the best way to understand that, I think, is to watch a thunderstorm. Do you agree with that? I don't understand it. You don't understand thunderstorms? Well, I it's love when it comes over and it <laughs> I love the smell. You love yes, you, Okay, well, thunderstorms are quite interesting and they're quite dangerous mm -hmm. because they shoot out lightning. And the lightning is static energy that builds up inside the, the cloud because the rising air is causing the molecules to bump. And, and when it gets strong enough, you get a bolt of lightning and it can be very dangerous. And lightning sometimes will hit a building or hit something and cause damage and sometimes even loss of life. Trivia note. This could be a trivia question. Did you know that there was a person that got hit by lightning? Mm -hmm. No, there was. I know. So what's the big deal? Look, Tina has got the lightning picture just in case. Anybody does not know what lightning is. There it is. <laughs> the lightning's coming down. But there was a person that got hit by lightning, which is a very you know, unlikely thing. I don't know how many of you have been hit by lightning. But that same person got hit by lightning again later. What's the chance? Yeah. 
The most attractive. Yeah, lightning tracker, a tracker, okay. <laughs> but the, the thing about thunderstorms that's really interesting is they do need to be respected. And if there is a thunderstorm and lightning, you, you want to take cover and it's a good thing to do. But sometimes it's really handy to know how far a thunderstorm is away. And since it's way up there and you're way down here, you can't put a yardstick up there. So guys that are into science have a real simple way to figure out how far away a thunderstorm is, right? And this is how it works. You see the thunderstorm, you watch it, and you watch for lightning. When you see lightning, that triggers your counting mode. Right. One, 1,000, two, 1,000, three. And you start counting until you hear the thunder. Right. And that tells you how far away the thunderstorm is. Why? Did you know that sound, like thunder makes, travels through the atmosphere at five miles per second, which is about the speed of a jet plane. Jet planes are just a little bit under the speed of sound. When I say jet planes, I'm talking about airliners that aren't the Concorde. Mm -hmm. But they're just a little bit under the sound barrier, or just a little bit slower than the, and they go about 600 miles an hour, just a little bit slower than sound. And so if you see lightning, the light from the lightning travels to your eyes at the speed of light. So when it flashes, you see it almost instantly. But the sound comes at the speed of five miles every second. Can't be. Five seconds every mile. <laughs> Don't get that wrong. So the light travels in one second, five miles. Or is it five seconds, one mile? If you get that backwards, we're in real trouble. Mm -hmm. Which is it? Five seconds a mile. Yeah, five okay. seconds a mile. That's just what I said. <laughs> so now what we do, when we see the flash, we start counting. And when five seconds have passed, if we hear the thunder, then we know that the cloud is exactly one mile away. So we can actually calculate the distance by how long it takes the sound to get to our eyes. And so you're saying, what does that have to do with stars? Mm -hmm. I am saying that. Go ahead, say it. What does that have to do with stars? <laughs> oh, I was going to get to that. So with stars, it's kind of the same thing. We don't hear the sound for five seconds if it's a mile away. We don't hear it for five seconds. If it's two miles away, we don't hear it for 10 seconds mm -hmm. because it takes time for the sound to travel. Now, what if you think about those stars? Light goes really fast, but it only goes at the speed of light, which means it is a certain speed. And so when there's a flash of light out of the star far, far, far away, that light comes screeching towards us. But how long it takes for the light to reach Earth depends on how far away it is. And astronomers talk about how far away a star is by how many light years it is away. In other words, if a star is one light year away, that means if it gives a big flash and the light starts coming towards the Earth, we won't see it for one year. 
because it's one light year away. That means the distance light will travel in a year. That's more than five seconds. All right, think about it. And we have stars that are so far away that the light doesn't come in a year, it doesn't come in 10 years, it doesn't come in 100 or 1,000 years. We have stars that are so far away that it might take the light 100,000 years to get here, and even longer. And so think about it a minute. Here's a star shining its light, shining its light, shining its light. In fact, kind of a fun star to think about in particular is Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse is the star in the constellation Orion. Some of you know in the winter you see those three stars lined up. And some people point out that those three stars on the belt of Orion are oriented just about like the Great Pyramids. Mm -hmm. Hmm, maybe they're something to do with the pyramids. I probably knew when I was younger, but I don't remember because anyway. But way up above those three stars, the very top, there is a star in Orion called Betelgeuse. And if you look at it on a clear night, it looks kind of reddish, right? And Betelgeuse has been doing some really, really interesting things. It's been getting dimmer. It's been changing brightness. And Astronomers believe that Betelgeuse is getting ready to go supernova. Now, Tina is so on the ball, she got <laughs> us a photograph. There it is. Can you see the three stars? That would be the belt of Orion. And way over to the left, can you see that reddish star? That's Betelgeuse. If that goes supernova, it ought to really be a spectacle to see in the sky. But chances are it probably already has. It probably already went supernova, and we're just waiting for the light to get to Earth so we can see it. We're so far away. Yes, we are far away. And you know, if it's really going to go supernova, it's a good thing we are far away. <laughs> because if it was the sun, it would, it would be so big it would go clear out to Jupiter, and, and we would be a fireball. But isn't that interesting? So we look at it, and it's still there, and it hasn't gone supernova, but maybe it did a long time ago. So we could have stars out there that have burned out 10,000 years ago, and they still look like they're shining bright because the light's still coming. So now I'm going to get a little bit wacky here. Okay. This is the part she's really good at. <laughs> okay, so just imagine that way out in the distant, distant, distant night sky, Columbus was sailing his ship, and he was going from one star to another. He was in the sky. Yeah, this is wacky. Okay. It's what I told you. It's wacky, wacky, wacky. But he's way out there. Okay. And, and we're looking, and we can see Columbus sailing between stars. Of course, we can't see Columbus, but it could be, you know, a comet or something. Other. And, and there he goes, and he arrived at the new star. He discovered India, bought spices, and went back to the original star. And, and we're watching, and he's already made the trip and gone back, and we think he's still going mm -hmm. to the other star. Yeah. We can see him still going to India, and he's already back. And so what we're seeing, we're seeing him going there 
So we are looking back in time. Now, it's real wacky to say we can see Columbus up in space because few people even know he went there. <laughs> but, but, I know something that Columbus did do. You know, he got that money from the Spaniards, king of Spain, and then he went sailing across the Atlantic, and while he was sailing across the Atlantic, you won't believe what happened. The sun shined down on his ship, and the ship reflected light out into space. The ship was sailing, and the light from the sun hit it, and it reflected off into space, and it's still going. It's still going. It's going out into space. And there are people out there on a little planet watching Earth, and then they see Columbus sailing across the ocean. <laughs> because that light that left clear back then just finally reached them. And what we know, Columbus is retired. He's gone. <laughs> and now we have the Internet. Yeah. But they're saying, no, I can still see him. He's right there. And that's why scientists say, because we know the speed of light, we're able to look back in time. We can look and see things that happened a long time ago. You say, how can you see it if it happened a long time ago? Because... They shot the light towards us, and it took all this time for it to get here. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You understand that? And so now, we put up this Hubble telescope, and it's out in space, and it can see things that are so dim, we've never been able to see them before. The farther away they are, the dimmer they are. And it can see objects older than we've ever seen before because it can see that light. And then we put the James Webb Telescope up. This is the new boy. That's right. And he's a lot bigger. Mm -hmm. He's so big they couldn't put him in a rocket. Remember, they had to fold him up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, he's now looking at objects that are much farther away than anything that the Hubble could see. And we're seeing objects so far away that the light started its trip towards Earth about the same time as the Big Bang that started the universe. And it's really messing up science. Whenever we find something new that makes us rethink everything that we thought was true, you know, when, when you get an experiment that says something very different than you expected, then you've got to scratch your head and figure out why. Well, we're now looking at objects that are so far away that some scientists are doing calculations and saying, wow, this light started coming here before the Big Bang. And scientists are saying, that's impossible. Mm -hmm. Some are saying that there must be an error in your calculations because that can't be true. And I'm sitting here, oh, science is so fun. <laughs> <laughs> so mm -hmm. does that answer the question? It does. So we could have stars shining down on the Earth tonight that don't even exist anymore. Mm -hmm. And we could even have other stars that we can't see. They're not there. And they're shining right towards us, but it's going to take another couple thousand years before the light gets here. And I think that's really neat. And that's really what makes science so exciting. With science, we, we sit and think about what's that like on the surface of Mars? 
and we draw pictures and we guess and we study through our little telescopes and, and then we say, you know, I really, really want to know. And then we figure out the craziest ways to find out. Mm -hmm. And we send a little car up there, a little rover, mm -hmm. to go up and see and send pictures back to us. That's exciting. We're trying to figure out what bacteria looks like that causes sickness. What's a virus like that causes sickness? We can't see it. And so we start grinding glass into the shape of lenses, and we put them in a little thing called a microscope, and we can see what no man or no woman has ever been capable of seeing before. That's what science is. It's seeing what you can't see. It's understanding what can't be understood. And that just makes it so very, very exciting. And now we, we built the biggest telescopes we could. We put them on top of mountains so we could see things. And we still could see things that we couldn't see. That didn't come out right, <laughs> did it? Kind yeah, of yeah, kind of. It almost came out. Yeah. <laughs> and so now we just put our telescopes out in space. And we see farther than ever before. And as soon as we get a better telescope, the last year has had so many remarkable discoveries because of the James Webb Telescope. And now that it's out there, we're having to rethink a lot of things we knew. We used to know a lot of things. For example, we used to know that the Earth was flat. And when they said, well, if it's flat, what's it sitting on? Remember that story? Famous story said, well, it's sitting on the back of a turtle. I said, ah, but what's the turtle sitting on? <laughs> That's right. It's on another turtle. And what's that turtle on? It's turtles all the way down. <laughs> yeah. Great story. And it does have some truth. Science gives us the ability to do things that would have never been impossible. I mean, would have, boy, this is a hard, hard session. That would have always been impossible, but for we were able to figure out little pieces of truth and discover things that we can't see, and do experiments to reveal the mysteries of the universe. And then if you get into the branch of science that I love the most, which is inventioneering, that's where you take these little technologies and breakthroughs, and you figure out how to put them to work for the benefit of mankind. And that is really, really exciting. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. If that answers your question, I'd like to get into my topic of discussion today. <laughs> that does answer the question. Uh, do you have any more? Unrelated. Okay, one unrelated question. There, um, there's some stirrings amongst our students who want more electives. And um, one of them wants to know if we can make a filmmaking course. I agree with them. We should have more electives. Let's elect Peje Monet. No. To political, no, not a good idea, was that? No. So no, let's let's get serious. So yes. we want more elective courses. Yes. What ones are they wanting? Well, specifically a filmmaking course. A filmmaking course, mm -hmm. boy, wouldn't Tobias like that? Yeah. And in this day and age, that would be a really fun course because it is becoming much more uh, possible for a person to make a movie. Mm -hmm. as our technology gets better and better. We talk about artificial intelligence, AI. And if you could say anything about the last year, I think the thing you'd have to say is, this is the year of emergent AI. Artificial intelligence. 
Uh, it turns out that if, if you want to write a paper, like you would submit in a class in Cellus, you would ask a AI, an artificial intelligence computer, to write it for it. And you just tell it a few things you want it to include, and there'd be your paper with references and everything. Um, interestingly, the downside of that for the students that like shortcuts is AI can also tell if it was written by AI or by a real student. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. But you know, I think it, it's kind of, a, of an interesting thing. Many of our students probably don't even know what I'm talking about when I say a slide rule. Slide rule is a thing like a ruler with a little sliding arm that we used to use when I was a freshman in college to do calculations in our chemistry and physics classes. And so you go in there and when you take a test, you would use the slide rule to multiply and to divide and do different kind of calculations. Well, when I was a sophomore in college is when scientific calculators came out. And it would be called serious cheating to use a calculator during a test. You use a slide rule, but no calculator. <laughs> when I was a senior in college, they insisted that you use calculators during your exam because why waste time trying to figure it out manually when you just go ta 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 and there it is. And they want to make sure you know how to run the calculator. Well, I suspect we're going to have the same thing happen with artificial intelligence. If you can write a nice paper and post it in a cell, let's get credit for it, that's nice. But I think the time is coming when we're going to want to know if you can get artificial intelligence to write what you want. And that is going to become more important than even writing. And now you can get an artificial intelligence engine to create a video for you or to make a drawing or an animation. And so I think we should have these courses and we should teach them how to make a video, but especially how to make one using some of these wonderful new tools. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, every time you delegate more down to the tool, like I remember when we went to calculators when I was in college and the calculator was doing all that bothersome carry one and do that crud. I was able to think more about the science. I could think at a higher level, and I think that's what AI is going to do for us. I'm really looking at ways that we can get into AI. I want Acellus to be one of the very, very first schools in the world to really teach students how to use AI. And it'll be kind of neat. And I still want you to develop the skills that you need, but you know, too much of education, in my humble opinion, is about memorizing facts. And in a day of the internet and cell phones and artificial intelligence, facts are at your fingertips. Mm -hmm. So I think what we want education to start turning more towards is critical thinking. That's what we need. And so in Acellus, we've been doing that, and our students are enjoying it more, and they're scoring higher and higher, and we're going to do more and more of that. So uh, this year, look for great things to happen with AI, and, and it's going to be an amazing year. This spring, we have a version four of the, the most interesting AI technology that's ever come out, and I'm hoping to feature some exciting things about it on Science Live. One of the things about it that I'll just say in passing, 
when we're on AI version 3.5 right now of this, this particular thing, and the beta version of 4 is out, I'm trying to get my hands on it because I'd like to test drive it, but with 3.5, it hallucinates. If it doesn't know the answer, it just makes one up. <laughs> and you know, that could be real interesting in some cases. <laughs> and we, we've got to teach it now, 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 now. <laughs> got to play by the rules. Mm -hmm. And I think the real big breakthrough that's going to come, and the part that I really want to be personally involved in, is the artificial intelligence that they call hybrid artificial intelligence. In other words, you have the artificial intelligence that learns by looking at a lot of information and organizing it and then predicting. Because remember, it's not really intelligence. Uh, these computers do not have the abilities you have to reason. And, and I don't think they're going to. A lot of people do, but I, I just think that we're, we're unique. But if you train them with exactly the right reliable information, then they are much more accurate and they don't hallucinate. They <laughs> actually give you good information. And I think people that learn how to do hybrid AI are going to be the ones that are really going to change our world. AI is going to create a lot of problems. But more than that, it's going to give us an opportunity for inventioners to really do amazing things that we could have never done before. So we'll be talking about that soon. Thank you. See you next time.